This is the Lingaholics Podcast with Cody, Marcus, and Ian, where we dive deep into conversations about the experiences and endeavors of the language learning life. On this pod, we feature a wide variety of guests and topics with nonstop passion and nonstop fun. There's no last call for Linga Hall, so come on in and join the show. Me venger de toutes ces années où je plaisais moins aux filles que les mecs dérangés Où je me sentais partout étranger Où je servais qu'à nourrir leur ego quand c'est pétasse Ouais, aujourd'hui c'est moi qui monte les étages Ouais, bon d'accord j'étais consentant quand je rentrais dans leur spirale C'était toujours mieux que d'être invisible Maintenant je ressens plus rien, je m'intéresse plus qu'à leur physique Et tous les soirs le diable me rend visite Fini les grosses gars, trop fausses gamins, j'étais tellement bête Je veux un Oscar pour chaque film que je me suis fait dans la tête Merde, avant j'étais un peu froid, maintenant je le suis complètement C'est trop tard pour combler le manque Évidemment que je veux prier comme l'or J'ai passé ma vie invisible comme l'or Pourquoi vous voulez m'aimer maintenant Pourquoi vous voulez m'aimer maintenant Des millions d'heures seules dans le noir Dieu merci, j'ai enfin confiance en moi Pourquoi vous voulez m'aimer maintenant Hello folks and welcome to episode 48 of the Lingaholics podcast. You got Uncle Ian here, also known as Senor. How's it going? Uh, the summer is in full swing here in Canada. Uh, British Columbia is definitely hot, so it's a little smoky here in Alberta, but we're still getting by. We're still uh, we're still having ourselves a time this summer and for the languages, they keep on rolling. They're burning hot as well. So uh, today we have a guest that we've been wanting to have on for a long, long time. And today is the day on a Friday night here in Canada and he is in Australia. We have none other than Ace Buck. So Ace, how's it going? How, how's your morning going? It's evening here in Canada, but uh for you fresh morning in melbourne yeah it's yeah that's it it's uh 11 a.m but i've only been up for about an hour so <laughs> this is about the first activity of my day okay okay and Starting i grimaced a little hearing your uh comments about the hot warm summer as i'm looking oh out of my sorry right <laughs> cold overcast melbourne winter <laughs> which 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 we did uh, discuss immediately before the we went live on the pod or started recording with the pod. It's nothing like Canadian winter, but for me, it's still uh, it's still something <laughs> a little chilly. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, if you come back in six months, you can rub it in our face when you're yeah <laughs> yeah in summertime. And Maybe then. I'll have you guys on my podcast and I'll time it exactly when it's like perfect Melbourne weather, uh, and I'll be like, get yeah. away this. It'll be negative 40 here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in parkas and uh, those rushes. Yeah, guaranteed teams. bad weather in Canada. <laughs> we'll drive through our snowstorms to make it to the pod and yeah, everything like yeah. that. So awesome, man. Well, welcome to the Lingaholic. So he's spoken here. So let's go around the horn and not too far from you. Only one time zone. Um, Behind you, we have none other than Senor Kolo Hartsberg, Palkum Chishi in Korean, who's uh, he's kicking it in his new apartment in Seoul. A solar, I might add. I've been listening to lots of talk to me in Korean this week, and people in Seoul, they refer to as solars. So we have a solar on the pod. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Well, yeah, yeah I guess I'm a, I'm a solar now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got my new apartment here. Um, I got everything locked down with my new job. I'm going to be starting training on Monday. 
So things are finally starting to, to settle down for me. I got everything organized in my, in my new apartment. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, again, just because I've been working on getting my life back together, <laughs> I haven't been focusing on language too much still, but um, I've got some hope and I've got some renewed motivation too, because again, this week I'll be mostly focusing on training and getting my new job started. But then after that, they're going on vacation. So I'm going to have a week where I've got a bunch of free time. And during this time, I've decided that I'm going to like completely revamp my language learning resources and try to get a new kind of uh, new kind of language learning schedule going on because I'm going to have my my schedule and, and a new routine put in place by then. So I'm going to just work on doing that. And I've got this like renewed like motivation like I said that I just want to I want to really immerse myself in mostly Korean but also my other languages as well and that's something we were before um before Ace joined us we were talking a little bit in uh in German and Spanish and uh maybe we can talk about this later on the pod but just how I haven't practiced Spanish in quite a long time just like very very casually once in a while and I was speaking like w w without any real problems. And that's mostly because of uh, the issue of confidence and just like believing in your ability instead of um, thinking about, oh, like I'm so rusty, I can't do this. So maybe that's a topic that we can touch on later. Well, you were in a comfortable environment, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, comfortable, comfortable environment. environment and I felt good about myself. Level goes up. Yeah, yeah. I I look forward to speaking about that later, particularly in yeah. relation to Chinese and, oh, yeah. for example, uh, talking with a friend online as opposed to in class. Uh, yeah, that, that'd be interesting to chat about later. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So, so guys, uh, before, no. before we jump in, do you have anything more you want to say, Cody? Because I want to share. No, a story. no. I I was just gonna throw it over to you. Oh, okay. I appreciate Bro, that. So I'm just gonna take over right away. Then, uh, so you know, on this <laughs> podcast, we're all about stories here. So here in Ontario. We're in the penultimate reopening stage here for uh, for the pandemic, which means that in-person language meetups are back right. online or they're not oh. online. They're in person. <laughs> it's awesome. I live for these things. I absolutely live, live for these things. You need so a meetup my... tattoo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Anyway, I went to my first one now in um, on Wednesday and uh, I went to this guy's house and we made tostadas. Uh, Mexican tostadas uh, so like uh, uh, an authentic Mexican taco that's basically what that is now so <laughs> this is all in Spanish right and I don't know these guys walking in there I'm I, I've never met them before and you know okay Ace to give you some context uh, I just spent a few months in Spain focusing on like the Castellano from Spain and oh, yeah. my, I, my current italki teacher is Spanish so I've really um honed my my spanish accent like with a ceseo and everything oh right? no <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing though here's the thing though. i learned spanish like latin american spanish right so i have it in me as well it's anyway, in the arsenal I, I yes i have it in my arsenal anyway i go there you know and first of all these guys are all latinos a couple mexicans and you know naturally i just get into the mexican uh rhythm like you know like like that right so i get that accent and everything like no ceseo no nothing 
because because you know naturally like i can't just walk in there and be like hola todos como estáis vosotros i can't do that like <laughs> they'd look at me like you i wouldn't be able to do that uh so i went in there and and uh, you know i started we had a good time but then every once in a while because i'm like in this castellano rhythm like i would throw out a word naturally because when you're talking naturally you can't really control your pronunciation right so i remember saying something like a, uh what was it yeah parmenefer parmenefer and uh and um, I remember everyone just looking at me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Who is this guy? But anyway, uh, it just made me realize, like, my Spanish identity is so uh, confusing. Like, my it's so it's so like so into your buen confundido. It's very. I'm very confused in my, in my Spanish identity because I'm always going back and forth, right? Like, I haven't really established myself in one Spanish culture. Because I've jumped around so much that I can't really control my accent at this point. It's kind of, kind of all over the place. Um, so I just thought it was fun to share that story with you guys. So we're back. We're back. And just one more thing I want to say, guys. Like I said on the last pod, I'm going to lead the resurrection of the polyglot community here in Toronto. So guess who's hosting meetups from now on? Oh, no way. <laughs> Marcos, nice. It's going to be me and my, my new buddy, go, Oscar. Man. We got the we got the John Connor of languages over in Toronto here. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. So um anyway. Our leader. The leader. Sorry for being a little long-winded there, but I thought it was fun to share a story. You've been you've been wanting those meetups for a long, long time. So you got your first little dabble. Yeah, I'm back at it. So <laughs> right on. Uh okay. So Ace, we're gonna be lots into your languages today, but just for our audience, uh if you could just introduce yourself, uh, you're part of this whole language learning scene that we're taking part of on Twitter, YouTube, uh, lots of interesting guys. We have mutual friends like Mark from Language Come Up. So I feel like we're all kind of in this uh, ecosystem of languages, kind of getting to know each other and lango system. Make up our own words <laughs> all the time on this show. So just to introduce yourself, your language experiences and how has your week been for language learning, man? So we're always giving our up-to-date, so, uh, and then we'll dive in from there. Yep. Um, I think that's a good way of putting it, actually. We're all just sort of part of this ecosystem. It's, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty vaguely defined, but you just bump into people in various places on the internet, end up having conversations on different platforms. It's great. Um, as for me, for people who don't know me, I'm... An Australian dude. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I have for my whole life. Uh, my language background is I grew up as an English native speaker and a monolingual, monolingual English native speaker. So I wasn't raised bilingual or anything. I didn't uh, get any languages for free <laughs> growing up, unfortunately, <laughs> which would have been nice. But um, after that, I started studying French in at, at school and I continued with that and I cultivated my French competency on my own and that grew into something uh, which has served me well and I've and was my first uh, entrance entry into the language learning world and discovering that I actually had a passion for learning languages 
and since then I've studied a bit of Spanish autodidactically, although my uh, Spanish competency has decayed a lot over the past year or so, because I haven't done anything with it. And uh, currently I'm focusing on Mandarin Chinese. I'm studying that at university. I'm doing a concurrent diploma in Mandarin Chinese alongside my bachelor of science doing engineering stuff. So that's a little bit of a, yeah, it's a little bit of a synopsis. Yeah. Ace, you have a really nice intro on your Spotify page. We were talking about it earlier today. Yeah, yeah. We need that. We need something like that, like an intro to the pod. Like you have a 20 minute show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Introducing uh, your language history, I guess, your language profile. Yeah. And actually, I want to ask you a question about that. First of all, how old are you? Good question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm 20. I'm 20. I was born in 2001. Our youngest. Oh, my God. So, yeah, like, because I was in your intro, I was listening to. Like you've been an athlete, like you've learned all these languages, like you've got a science and engineering background. Like, Yo, how old is this wise man coming on the pod today? Oh uh, yeah. Oh my God. Like I think just thinking back to the time when I was 20, like um, I wasn't that impressive when I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well I had, I had a busy decade from like 10 to 20 and then it's just slowed down during the pandemic. I haven't really been doing nice. much exciting. Uh, but I was, um, there was a long period there where every second of my day was allocated to one of those things, like either the athletics, the school, or uh, I mean, actually, even the synopsis I gave was maybe a little bit reductive because things change over time. And when I was around about the age of, 13, 12, I was uh, doing as much uh, karate and dancing as I was running. So um, all those kinds of things were going on. And yeah, I suppose, I suppose all I'm trying to say is I was quite involved at school, extracurricular activities and things like that. So it kind of builds up and it sounds like a big list, but I mean, obviously I've got a lot of living ahead of me and lots of things to Absolutely. learn. And, yeah. So, so Ace, when, when we're talking about this now, what, what do you study exactly? What discipline? Um, so I'm doing mechanical engineering and software and com- software and computer engineering. Both. Uh, well, uh, it's funny because my university in the bachelor of science doesn't allow you to do a double major, but I am doing these subjects which constitute both majors. So on my transcript, I'm going to have to choose one, but by the end of my degree, I will have done the subjects which constitute oh. both majors. And and what year are you in? I'm in third year, but because of the concurrent diploma, uh, it's going to take me with full-time study with the concurrent diploma. It takes four years to do the bachelor's degree and the diploma. Okay, and then, that, yeah, I'm that's also doing, typical, though. yeah, uh, I'm also doing two subjects outside of my degree to because I need them to be able to finish this double major, which I'm talking about because I don't actually have enough subjects. So I'm doing two extra subjects as single subject enrollments outside of my degree. To... So, so you're a crazy man, first of all. And then second yeah. of all, um, so <laughs> in an awesome way, <laughs> in an awesome way, in a fantastic way. So I, I, um, I'm an engineer, I work an engineering job and, um, I know how much time it takes to be an engineer. It takes an insane amount of time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, my time is essentially split between engineering. Like I think as much about 
engineering as I think about languages. Like I could easily have an engineering podcast and talk about engineering things for hours on end, right? Nice. <laughs> so, so I spend my time between engineering, languages, and the rest of my time is figuring out who I'm going to draft for my fantasy baseball team. <laughs> That's essentially all the time that I have. And I feel like I'm absolutely jammed all the time. So I don't know how you do it, man. And especially I know school, I would not be able to go hard at languages. I would not have been able to go hard at languages when I was in my undergrad. My, my, my graduate degree was a lot easier time management wise. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. It's, it's much easier. Graduate studies are, are much nicer than undergrad studies. Let me tell you. <laughs> Why? My, that surprises me. No. It, so it's because you, you have a lot more freedom. You're not taking as many classes. Um, it's more advanced. The classes that you're taking are more advanced, but they're fewer and they're less uh, time intensive. Right. And I did research as well, which is also it's it's labor intensive. Yes. But the freedom that you have, like you're able to if you're if you're if, if you're good with time management, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. But you don't have these menial, tedious tasks that you have to do for like homework and whatnot. OK. Right. <clears throat> Right. So especially if you're overloading yourself with coursework, I don't know how you're able to do languages. <laughs> That's well, crazy. yeah, but you That's are, though. you are making it happen, though, because uh, so Mandarin is one of these subjects outside of. Well, here's the thing. I was ra- rather uh, cunning and I decided that I was going to do. See, I, here's the thing. I was like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. So I decided oh. to study Mandarin Chinese at university. Uh-huh. Right. So yeah. given that I have the majority of my time during the uni semester allocated to uni, I thought, well, maybe I'll take advantage of this and make it so that when I'm forced to do my uni study, it just happens to be language learning study as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was a conscious decision. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Yeah. you do a lot of hard shit (laughs) engineering, (laughs) Mandarin, running. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting thing because actually Oh, something that a lot of people we have here in Australia. I don't know if this is, I think, I think the more understood thing in, or the thing which is more common in America is the GPA uh-huh. rate point average. Yeah. We have a WAM, which is a weighted average mark. And anyway, I suppose that's actually not relevant now that I think about it. What I was going to say is some people, what they do is they try to take easy subjects to boost their WAM. Uh, people do that here too. That's a yeah. Thing. Right. So I have in my degree kind of snookered myself where every subject that I'm doing is difficult to the, to the extent that all of my, like even my electives and my science electives are allocated to doing another major, which is engineering. (laughs) And I basically just comes down to, comes down to um, wanting to study things, which I find valuable and interesting over, over the mark. And they happen to be really hard. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all the stuff that you find yeah, interesting is hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, and ironically, I was going to, I, re- I really considered doing a science arts double degree. And essentially what, what made the decision for me is we have two, univer- two big universities here in uh, Victoria, which are, um, I suppose, the most well-known, Melbourne University and Monash University. And both of them were at the top of my list. And depending on the score, which I got graduating high school, uh, I was going to either do 
go to Melbourne or go to Monash because the scholarships, which they have for the different universities have different entry thresholds. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'm, it's possible that I hit one and not the other because one's set slightly higher than the other. And that was going to make my decision for me. And it just turned out that I ended up getting the mark, which meant I was going to go to Melbourne uni, which is the one which doesn't offer a double degree. Mm, right. So circumstances. Uh, yeah. So I could have ended up doing a science or engineering arts double. Right. Okay. But with, okay. I hear this a lot <laughs> with languages. That's a lot, man. Yeah, no, that's a yeah, lot. I know. I'm, I'm making me, it's making me, that almost gives me chills thinking about my university days. So, <laughs> but I mean, all the bon courage, the French say going through with that. Um, but just before with, with languages, I've always heard because Mandarin is a harder language in the sense if you're coming from English, they have like, I know the foreign service Institute has those different hour categories to this is how yeah. many hours it's going to take. Yeah. But there's always been that almost, uh, I don't want to call it a cliche, but that logic and language learning that if you are that passionate about something, if you want to learn it that bad, like if you want to learn Mandarin so much more than Spanish, or I don't know if you've dabbled in Esperanto, which is arguably one of the easiest languages, but if I have Mandarin, not, but, uh, well, you, you, like it's, I know in the language learning community, that's one which <laughs> seems to just get appended to the list. <laughs> right. right. In two weeks you can add it. So yeah, for you, like Mandarin's, it's obviously harder and Cody's our Cody here has experience with it, but if you really want to learn something, does that make it easier in that sense? Because it doesn't matter how many hours the foreign service Institute says it takes, like you're, you're motivated. You're, you're in that headspace for it. Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. I, I suppose the thing is you let's, let's say that the hours presented by the foreign service institute are constants like that's we, let's just uh-huh. for the sake of argument let's say that's what that's how long it takes yeah i think for mandarin yeah. chinese it's like 2.5k hours or something like that it's in yeah. that order of magnitude yeah and then and then you say let's say uh for spanish it's significantly less i don't know what it would be but let's say it's like 500 to a thousand and yeah well let's say okay so you're really interested in Mandarin Chinese and you're not interested in Spanish. It might then mean that if you force yourself to study Spanish, you only have to do 500 hours of study, but it's going to take you years to accumulate that amount of study time because you never feel like right. doing it. And so you right. never do it. You do it very irregularly. This but then with, uh-huh. Yeah. Then with Mandarin Chinese, you still have to do those 2,500 hours, but because you enjoy it so much, right. you study regularly. And that 2,500 hours is completed in the space of a couple of years. Right. I mean, that would be insane. I mean, a couple of years sounds like a, a bit quick. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No, yeah. Course. And I think that's, that's the case. Like if you compare yourself and other languages, like just to how you would handle them. But obviously, like if you take someone who's that interested in Spanish versus someone who's that interested in Chinese, like it, it'll take the Spanish person way less time. Hmm. Like yeah, just, I, I think that I yeah. yeah, and and of course of course um there are lots of factors which come into play. I'll, some of them I think are some of them you can argue are more universal than others, meaning like they're consistent across different people. But a major factor is kind of linguistic proximity to languages which you've already studied. 
for and sure. have experience with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Both, both in the sense of you've already learned how to study them or you already know, like let's say um, having a native language that's English, mm-hmm. um, even though you haven't learned how to study a romance language, for example, learning French is relatively easy to pick up because of the huge amount of romance vocabulary and French vocabulary, mm-hmm. which was imported into English. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's the aspect of it might be easier because it's closer to your native language and it might be easier because you've learned how to study that class of language. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely guilty of that crime. I cheat. I always take the lowest oh. hanging fruit from my languages. <laughs> I think it's a, yeah, crime, it's a good way to, good way to, uh, hold them up. Uh, like, you know, accumulate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's like, there's tend to get along with those. It tends to be easy for me to get along with those people as well. The people that are clo- the closest to my own native language. Yeah, like it doesn't really matter what like you don't have to do anything, right? Like you can do whatever you want. It's a completely personal journey. Yeah. I think what Ace that that person that's highly motivated though, willing to put those twenty five hundred hours in in two years, it's when you're really enjoying something. Like I'm working my old golf course job right now and I get to listen to podcasts all day. Eight hours does not feel like eight hours because I'm just Mm -hmm. loving it. Whereas when you're doing something where it feels like you're getting teeth pulled, time slows down. So I feel like these, and with languages, once you get hooked on those ones that you really, really want to know because you're interested in the culture, the people, history, whatever, like that's the ones to go for. So I guess, so for you, Ace, with because Mandarin and on top with engineering and everything. So what, what was the draw to Mandarin specifically then? Because you are, you did choose one that's going to take, a lengthier amount of time yeah right so this is a bit of an interesting story because i actually I think it was at the beginning of 2019 yeah i actually went and enrolled in a spanish diploma so i actually i'll start from the very beginning of spanish uh-huh. having graduated um high school and f- having felt that my french was at a level where i could take on another language i thought about what language would be a, uh, a good one to pick up. And like Marcus said, I kind of looked for the next lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> and yeah. I thought I built up all this competency in French. It should be relatively easy to now sidestep into Spanish. And beyond that, there was also the fact that learning that one language gives you so... So for Spanish, the reasons, the pros for learning Spanish and the reasons which I wanted to learn Spanish were the fact... what it was The, the reasons were... Um, that it was should should it should have been relatively easy to learn given my background um and learning that one language gives you access to so many different cultures and places so it's like learn one and then get many things as a result of that um and there's another one which i'm forgetting but the (laughs) those were the those were the principal reasons oh the other one was just that the other one was just like the actual culture associated with it. So, and the different cultures. So not just getting access to many, but things like, you know, I, I went and started bachata dancing and I was really enjoying that. And <laughs> nice. things like that. Nice. So, <laughs> so there was that. And then what I did was I, while I, I identified that I could start a diploma at university and the reason why I thought I, the reason why that was on my uh, kind of to-do list was the fact that I actually didn't get the opportunity to do the science arts double degree 
right. but yeah. I could do a concurrent diploma. So I thought maybe that's how I can, how I can make up for losing that art side. And so I thought, okay, I'll do a concurrent diploma in Spanish, but I didn't want to enter. I didn't want to enter it Spanish one. I thought that's, that's, it's not, that wouldn't make sense. What would happen is I would enter Spanish one and in the course of a few weeks, I would be too far ahead in the course and it would start not being useful for me because we, it would move very slowly. Mm-hmm. And for someone who is passionate about language learning on the side and so is going to put in extra effort, has a background yeah. in French, so is going to learn faster than the average student. All of these things, I was like, it wouldn't make sense to enter Spanish one. Mm-hmm. So I went off on my own and I self-studied Spanish for six months. And in the summer holidays, I did a, a like summer intensive at a sc- school here in Melbourne called El Patio. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I went and did the Spanish placement test and I got allocated to Spanish five at university Ooh. rather than Spanish Ooh. one. Wow. And then, jumped, yeah. yeah, but this was, this, was, this was back when I was actually maintaining and learning Spanish. Right now, I reckon my Spanish <laughs> is, next, is <laughs> next to useless. Not comprehension-wise, but ex- ex- active expression-wise. Yeah. Um, so uh, then what happened was in the first week of the semester, when I went to my first Spanish class, I basically came to the conclusion that I didn't want to spend my opportunity of having a concurrent diploma on Spanish. Mm. I didn't want to use an entire concurrent. I didn't want to use a diploma to study Spanish because I had six months of, of learning Spanish behind me, which demonstrated to me that I was capable of studying Spanish on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's the case is because I think the fact that Spanish is linguistically similar to French meant that I had the framework for studying a romance language. I kind of, I kind of knew things which were important. I was like, I knew verbs, verb conjugations were very important and all these kinds of things, which are the keys to being able to speak the language and express yourself. So I was like, I, I, I don't think using a concurrent diploma on Spanish is worth it. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about what, it, what might be what might be a language which merits an entire diploma and years of study dedicated to it at university. And two languages came to my mind, Arabic and Mandarin. Cause I'm like, these are, these are, these are like tier one difficult language languages. So (laughs) if I'm going to allocate a lot of, yeah. So, and then, and, and then it just made sense for it to be Mandarin because here in Australia where I live, there are, tons of mandarin speakers at my mm. university there are tons of international students um in australia uh, we're very geo politically and economically linked with china um and all of these things all of these things were floating around there was also the fact that chinese as a language looked very interesting it was just mm. so different and, uh, and the fact that it was so different meant that I had no idea how to self-study it. I had no idea where to begin. Right. So I was like, maybe university will give me, give me that. If I do a diploma at university, I don't expect, even with a diploma, I don't expect to be, be, come out and be extremely proficient just because it's that kind of language, which is more of a lifetime of, of developing. But I thought at least I will come out with a solid foundation and I will know how to study the language. Now I will have developed the habits, developed the study strategies, which will allow me to continue that over the, over the years to come. And that's, yeah. that's kind of the inception of, of, uh, 
my Chinese journey. Although as a, as a disclaimer, I did study it for uh, one or two years from when I was in grade six and year seven. Okay. Right. Yeah. And year eight, I think. So I did study it for three years at school, but as we all know, sometimes that, that's a bit hit and miss. Sometimes that means that you did study it to a significant yeah. extent. Sometimes that means you didn't do much. Yeah. In my case, I'd say it was, it was, <laughs> not that substantial what i not 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 really the fault of teachers necessarily or anything but just for some reason at school and at that age it's quite difficult to actually benefit a lot yeah anyway yeah I, i'm uh, uh, <laughs> i'm hearing myself so, talk so, a bit too much no, amazing amazing <laughs> so is how's how's it going how's your chinese oh uh, yeah this is this is the bit where i have to make a confession these past couple of weeks have been absolute shit how <laughs> <laughs> hey, so yeah so I've started a, an internship and um, so the past couple of weeks, I've essentially been a, working a full-time job, which is totally new for me. Um, and I haven't like, I haven't done any active study. The only exposure I've had is the kind of low hanging fruit activities where I'll read for a bit or watch some YouTube videos or chat with friends. But yeah, my yeah. active study is 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 very very bad. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I get I what you mean. That. Yeah, my life my life has been like that lately too. So I feel you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's oh, yeah, I suppose that's the reality sometimes. But uh, what 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 really matters is not so much what you're doing; it's how you feel about what you're doing. And for me, yeah. I feel bad that I'm not doing that because I know even though I've started this new thing and it, and it's it, like, it's taking up a lot of my time. And so it's, it, I almost have an excuse to say, this is why, but yeah. I know that if, if, if it were a priority for me, I would be doing it. Mm. And I, and I, and it's something which matters to me, which makes me feel bad. And, and that's what really matters. It's not so much that you're not doing it because you cannot be doing something with the knowledge that, I planned that I was not going to be doing it now right. because I was going to be doing this other thing. And it's part of my plan that I'm going to take a break, come back. I think that's, right. that's really healthy. But if you're mm -hmm. just not doing it and you feel bad about it, that bad feeling is actually a good thing because it's telling you that yeah. you're neglecting something, which yes. is important. Yeah. To you. Yeah, yeah. This that's is so true. Yeah. This is what I've been having too, just because um, I mean, my life has been back and forth like all over the place like my plans keep changing and it's been very hectic and like i'm getting to that point now too where i'm like okay cody like come on like i you've gotta get back to basics here you've gotta get back to your languages because I, I need to set aside times during the day when i can actually study and have some fun with it or whatever because i've really been neglecting that side of my life and it's yeah you're right it gets frustrating if that builds up and you, you feel really bad about it and it's just I, yeah it's not sustainable to be like that i feel like this is a particularly polyglot problem i mean i i just i see i feel like i encounter this more amongst language friends i mean i've got friends that play like in bands musicians cooking and like oh i didn't cook for two weeks and like oh my god like my skills are you know like i forgot all my recipes or i forgot all the chords and um whereas languages because i don't know because maybe it's such a it does require such frequency such contact almost on a daily basis that I would like would you've said ace and cody like i've felt this so many times with different languages throughout the years where it's just like oh my god like because you i feel like you're almost letting things go to waste 
if like you had worked so hard and then yeah. with uh with like a bit of neglect all of a sudden you like it's like checking your bank account and seeing like you're like in the red all of a sudden like it's like <laughs> what is going on here um and I, I don't know if this is like like you said like feeling that means like yes that i think that is important to feel like you've neglected something but i don't i don't know i just feel like I, it seems like a particularly polyglot thing and life circumstances hit us from different angles like working a job cody moving about all the things so i guess it's just a matter of not being like lackadaisy about it but yeah finding that path reestablishing a somewhat of a frequency to get back into it but i feel like this i've encountered this a lot amongst myself and amongst people i know so marcus do you have if you feel like you have neglected something do you start uh, so, so i feel like that all the time but i embrace it that's you know that's the good part about anxiety right like anxiety gets you going in the right direction like all, if you feel anxious about something there's probably a reason for it so you better figure out what that reason is and address it that's kind of my uh, hard line approach to it but yeah. you know i mean like if i don't if i don't engage in physical activity uh and okay, over a span one. of few days i feel mentally horrible like i mm. feel depressed depression serious depression so i have to do something it doesn't matter what it is playing soccer running look i have to do something mm-hmm. with languages to be completely honest guys to be completely honest i don't really think about this because it's so natural to me right now like it's almost like how I relax at night is to throw on like my favorite Spanish YouTuber or whatever. Right. And I, I, I try to, to be, I try to be um, relaxed with it. You know, like I feel, I feel a little bad that I'm not putting as much effort and time into my French as I should be, but whatever, as long as I like my Spanish is my main thing. It's always going to be my main thing. Right. And I do everything else casually. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't share the same super anxiety when it comes to languages. It's more of other things, to be honest. So, so Ace, is it more of a feeling like, not that you've necessarily lost something, but you're not keeping up with the same amount of gains? Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is the interesting thing. This topic evokes a lot of different questions. Like there's a one, there's, and I, one of the podcasts, that you guys did, which I listened to recently. I'm not sure whether it was a recent podcast or it was just that I listened to it recently, but you touched on the topic of, um, and I actually made a tweet about this. This is, this is one of the tweets that I made very recently talking about how language proficiency can naturally fluctuate. So you can be at a certain level and I suppose on any given day, you can have a bad hair day where your proficiency um, for it, it, it can never hit above that which you're capable of because by definition, if you express yourself at a certain level of eloquence, that means that you are by definition capable of it, but you can hit significantly below it. And I think sometimes I can just be attributed to bad hair days or what I'm metaphorically calling bad yeah, hair yeah. days, bad language yeah, yeah. days. Bad language but days. The, yeah. yeah. But then there's also the, the, the thing that even if you're, if, if you're out of contact with the language for a couple of days and you do nothing with it, then maybe the first time that you come back, it's the likelihood that that's going to be a bad language day is increased. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when you right. are out of contact with it for like two weeks, which is what I have been, um, right. well, not fully out of contact because, you know, reading and stuff is still non-trivial. But when you haven't been giving it the attention it deserves for an extended period of time, 
I think the likelihood that you're going to have bad hair days when you're trying to reintroduce yourself to it and the kind of duration of that bad hair period or bad language period yeah. is maybe likely to be increased. But um, it does it does come back to that idea of uh, something that Steve Kaufman said, and I know you guys are across because you mentioned it, that how he said he, he just doesn't, he, he asked, how does he maintain his, his 20 languages or whatever? And he said, I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. he's not, con- he's, he's not concerned about it because having learned a language in the past means you essentially have a, a fertile and plowed field waiting there, which you can come yeah. back to and cultivate very quickly. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, these are all the ideas that this, this, uh, uh, this, um, topic evokes, but for, for me, the reason why having a period of time where, uh, I'm not actively putting in a, putting in time actively studying, I mean, like sitting down with my textbook and learning vocabulary and that kind of thing. The reason why that is frustrating for me is because, um, the way I'm kind of structured as a person is, um, I like setting, I like setting goals and I like having clarity. And the, when I feel, when I feel best and I have high self-esteem and I feel good about myself and I'm happy, it's when I, my daily actions align with those objectives. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, when I have a period of two weeks where I haven't actively studied Chinese, uh, it's, I don't know what, how to exactly describe what the feeling is, but it, it means you, you, you lack congruence because you've identified yeah. something which is important to you and your daily actions don't align with that. And yeah. even if you have maybe a reason to not be that consistent at that point in time, yeah. it doesn't really matter because when you become or when you want to be a high performer, excuses are irrelevant. Either you're, right. you are doing the thing which matters to you or you're not. Like no one cares mm-hmm. about the excuses. You're either, you're either doing it or you're not. You're either making it a priority and making it happen or you're not. And recently yeah. I've, I, I haven't been. So that's right. why I, I feel a lack of congruence, which affects. That's, right. that's, that's cool. why. That's, that's cool that you realize that at such a young age. Cause I, I didn't realize that until like recently. So you, you, cool you, you still know. haven't realized it. I'm kidding. Watch I'm, out, I'm, watch your mouth I'm there, pulling bro. your leg, bud. <laughs> but anyway, so Ace, what, what you were just talking about, this kind of ties into what I mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really do, in, in my personal experience, whenever I feel good about my language ability before going into an interaction, I, mm. I even if I don't perform really well, I feel good about the interaction every time, 100% without fail. Okay. If I go into an interaction thinking, oh, I didn't study enough or oh, I haven't really, I'm a little bit rusty. I, f- I feel bad about the interaction again, 100% of the time without fail. So maybe this is different depending on um, the person, but for me, it's completely about the attitude I have toward my language ability. And obviously, yes, like um, there isn't a, there's a bit of an objective aspect to it. Like, if you haven't been studying, you're more likely to not perform as well. But you, your, your attitude can completely depend on how you feel about certain interactions that you have with, with people. But, okay, so Cody, you want to, like Ace said, how you, there's that field plowed to cultivate. 
mm-hmm. you've left something. So you're saying with confidence, you can cultivate. Yeah. With the question confidence- is, how do you get that good feeling though? Like before you go into an interaction, like if you just spilled coffee on yourself, are you in a bad mood now? Or like, like what, what, what makes my question is like, what, <laughs> what makes that good feeling prior? Cause you're talking about before the, the interaction. Yeah. And this is, this is a little bit different because it's, it's not something that you can control all the time because maybe you have an unexpected interaction with somebody yeah, and maybe you're off like thinking, maybe your mind is thinking about your problems in life and then you have this unexpected interaction and then you think, oh, and then maybe your, your animal side of your brain kicks and it's like, oh, look at this, what am I doing? But um, it, I find like if you, it's, it's those times when you really can prepare, when you're expecting to have an interaction with somebody. And, and then you think like, okay, I know what to talk about with this person. And I have studied this language to a decent, to a decent degree. And I can do this. Like if, if I encounter problems, I can work through those. Like, I don't need to sit there being stuck saying, Oh, what mm-hmm. do I say? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all, it's purely a matter of, of confidence in this, um, when we're, when we're talking about this, in my opinion. Yeah. For so, sure. um, if you guys don't mind going back to my original question, cause I asked Ace about his Chinese. So Ace, you know how you have like the different lingo or, um, language spheres, like you learned, for example, I felt, um, I felt the sensation, like learning Spanish, I felt the sensation of entering the, the Spanglosphere, if you will, right? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and, you know, people talk about the Anglosphere and whatnot, like these different yeah. um, worlds that exist in these languages. Do you feel like you've entered the, the Mandarin sphere by this point? The Sinosphere. Okay, so I, I, I like this question, but also... Um, it it it's the saying entered it sounds like it's almost binary like you're either yeah, out or you're in. i agree so uh-huh. i'm right, so- i'm i'm walking through the doorway is where i'm at <laughs> yes. right now i right. don't feel like i don't feel like i've i've and i think marcus i think you're you're also quite big on this idea as well but i agree with you to quite a large extent that i don't think you've fully experienced everything you could you're, you're missing out on a lot if you haven't gone and lived in, in the place where the language is spoken. And I, and if, if we were to kind of say you, you enter the Spanglophere or you enter the Mandarin speaking world and things like that, and we were to say it had a definitive endpoint, which I think we'd probably agree it, 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 it doesn't necessarily, but um, if there were to be a definitive endpoint, I think you wouldn't be able to reach that until you'd spent an extended period of time actually living in a place where the language is spoken. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely walking through the doorway in the sense that I'm, uh, being much more exposed to that world. And, and the main thing that I think allows you to be exposed to that world is the social aspect of language learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think the thing which is making me into that world is, is, is not, um, uh, the books that I'm reading or the textbooks that I'm studying or, or anything like that. It's more just the, the informal language exchanges I have and those kinds of things, which allow me to kind of see things. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just those random videos or photos that your language exchange partner sends you. Mm -hmm. Um, Or 
Um, the story, like I have a language exchange partner right now who has started a new job and it's been interesting kind of back and forth thing a little bit about uh, her experience at a new job and my experience at this new internship that I'm doing. And uh, like, th- I think it's those kinds of things, which um, allow you to enter the, the alternative, alternative world and, I, I think I'm doing it, but I'm definitely not there and I've got a long way to go. Mm. So have you met any Chinese friends in Melbourne? Uh, yes, it's pretty difficult not to actually. <laughs> like I think even if you're, even if you're uh, um, like not learning Mandarin Chinese, I think you would, have, you would already have a few friends who are either like part of the diaspora or mm-hmm. um, are international students or things like that. I think a lot of people this is the funny thing. You kind of, you're hyper aware of it when you're a language learner and realize that people come from different worlds and things. But I think a lot of people just have a bunch of friends and and don't realize the kind of linguistic diversity that's in that group. Absolutely. Yeah. Here we have a lot of Chinese people. So I I, I mean, I definitely have Chinese friends, but I think I also would, even if I wasn't studying Chinese, I just wouldn't know it. Yeah. And speaking of the, the Chinese diaspora in Australia, so are they mostly Cantonese or Mandarin speakers? Uh, Mandarin, I think. Oh, really? Because that's interesting. In, in Canada, the Chinese diaspora that's like already like established in Canada is almost all purely Cantonese speakers. And then all of, the, all of, the, all of the new Chinese people are Mandarin speakers from the mainland. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, you're saying sure. the Cantonese ones are from Taiwan? No, no, no. They're from like usually from Hong Kong. Hong Kong or Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong or uh, Guangdong province. But I mean, Guangdong province is the considered is is the mainland. Because uh, I meet a lot of people from Taiwan, man. Um. Oh. Well. Yeah, but there, I would say there's there's more people from mainland China in Canada than people oh. from Taiwan. So okay. So Ace these interactions that you're having uh, with your language partner right now, like, like, do they, because lots of times when Cody, Marcus or other friends, they send me memes or anything. I find like these are like little breadcrumbs that like keep following the path. Like we've talked about those spheres. So you just keep learning more and more about the language and kind of, I love just moving past the basics of a language, like getting out of that textbook and feeling like, mm. what are the memes? What are the gifts? What are the, yeah. <laughs> like even the, my Mexican friends yeah. using an inordinate amount of emojis. So it's just like, like seeing, uh, I just want to see these, like these differences. Mm. So I feel like, like you said, it's like you're not, I, I, I agree. Like it's binary to say like, you're going through this you're in it or you're out of it. Like I always feel like with languages and even culturally, it's like a radio signal that it's staticky, but then you get like a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then eventually like clears up and there's less and less static. So like, is that what that, is that what a simple interaction with the language partner kind of offers to just keep, keep going? Well, I, um, I want to, I really like your, your metaphor and I want to continue with it. And this, okay. I think will give the, the best idea of where I'm at with that. Okay. I think my the radio signal that I'm receiving uh-huh. to do with the Chinese world is very has a lot of static and there's a lot of noise. Yeah. But yeah. I have in the signal there are it's the signal is punctuated by points of clarity. Yes. And the points of clarity which you get are 
when you have, for example, your language exchange partner who goes to the trouble of explaining something to you or having the conversation with you in detail about that one thing. Right. And uh, right. Um, for example, on when you're talking about uh, GIFs or GIFs, whatever, whatever, the, <laughs> yeah, whatever I, don't <laughs> I don't know yeah. What, yeah. how you want to pronounce it, but <laughs> with those sorts of things, like with Chinese, they have WeChat and they have stickers, which they send and they're all these oh, little yeah. memes and you have to kind of, understand what the hell what the hell's going on there <laughs> right. but um they're a lot of fun and i'm becoming more proficient at sending those around and <laughs> right. those are all the kind of uh uh the metalinguistic features which you have to have to learn along with just the the standard language as yeah. you, if you want to really you know claim to speak the language and be fluent and capable of operating in that environment you know you got to cool. know how to send those memes <laughs> A funny, a funny thing about we the WeChat stickers that I want to ask you about is that when I, when I was in China, one thing, and even now, like when I some, sometimes when I use WeChat, um, the thing that kind of annoys me is like when when a Chinese person sends you a WeChat sticker and it's got like it's got like text in it, it has Chinese characters in it. The yeah. bad thing about that is that you, if you don't know what it says, you can't translate it. Yeah, it's yeah. I have a workaround, but I agree with you. It's annoying. On WeChat, you have the functionality where you can just go translate if they yeah. send you direct text. You can't do that with a sticker, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. If I if I'm really dedicated, what I do is I take a screenshot and then on my Android phone, if I go into Photos, there's a feature which is called Google Lens, or I can just tap that and it'll identify the text in the image and translate it. Yeah, yeah. So I was just gonna say my... that you can do that on the uh, Google Translate app. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's a there's a little hack camera. Yeah, nice, nice, well done. But uh, yeah, it, it is annoying when you can't just when you when you receive, particularly if you're having a a live conversation where it's back and forth, and you have to like take a minute to you have to <laughs> right. take a time out, understand what yeah. they just said. Yeah, and you always if if you don't check it, you run run the risk of misinterpreting the context in which that was sent and then uh, you send it inappropriately later thinking ah yeah i know what this means i know when this is sent to me and then it's like it's like i don't know something really something really offensive in the context in which you send it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it was fine before you know yeah, yeah. so so ace you're big on um community and languages right like i've said i've read a bunch of your tweets and whatnot like you like to um, create social spheres within each language, correct? Yeah. Right. So, so um, you've done this for, for, for Mandarin, right? What about French? Because I was thinking Australia is really far away from any place <laughs> francophone. So how do you deal with that? Right. Yeah. So um, maybe in answering this question, I'll talk about French, Chinese, and Spanish, because I think I have a good that has a good spectrum of the extent to which I've been successful in trying to create an environment where yeah. I have social in interactions in each language. I'd say, I'd say French, French and Chinese are quite successful and my Spanish hasn't been. And that explains mm -hmm. why my Spanish, I haven't been using my Spanish, right? Because I don't, right. I don't automatically use it thanks to the social ties I've created in my life, but I right. kind of do for French and, and Chinese anyway. So for French, um, I'm not going to try and like linearly present things because I'll be thinking rather than speaking. But what I'll do is I'll give you the internal monologue of things which come to mind that uh -huh. are my ties to, uh -huh. to, to French. Uh -huh. So I'm, uh, I'm on the Melbourne University French Club Committee, um, which means I'm very involved in a group of people who uh, learn and, and study French and speak French. 
So in non-apocalypse times, like when we're not in the pandemic and we can go to <laughs> go to university, like that means every week I'll be attending a Melbourne University French club event. And that's an opportunity for me to chat with people who, who speak French. Um, and then those people are also my friends. And so outside of, uh, outside of those events, I can also chat with them if I want to. And um, so that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is I had the, I, uh, I had the opportunity to go to France back in 2018. And uh, that meant I went on exchange, which meant I had a homestay and I actually made a few, fr- that meant I had made a few friends in France Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a long time since I've spoke with that specific group of friends, but, uh, for an extended period there, that was another way of me maintaining contact with language while I was stuck here on, uh, in Australia on the Island. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, another thing is in non pandemic times, uh, being, being a member of the French club meant that a lot of, uh, Francophone exchange students came there and I made friends with those people. I hung out with them. I went to parties with them, social events with them. So it meant that I spent a lot of time uh, with people who spoke French and I had the opportunity to speak French with them. I mean, there's always the the classic Mundo Lingo events and that kind of thing where you <laughs> yeah. uh, get to go to a social, a social, I haven't gone to any of them recently or not just recently for a long time because of the, the pandemic and various lockdowns which happened. Uh, but that was something which I did for a little while. That's That wasn't like my part of my main program, but that was just something that I did every now and then. Um, yeah. I suppose, I suppose that's, uh, that's, that's the, those are the main social things, which I, I do for, for French. Oh, and another thing which I did, which I think you guys will find interesting is I joined a Toastmasters club from Quebec. Okay, I wanted. To, uh, I, I heard about that on the Language Come Up podcast. I was yeah. listening to you guys on the car ride home today. Can you explain everything involved with this? I'm very curious. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. And I love that it's Quebecois. <laughs> yeah, il parle comme ça. Yeah. Uh, so the the story with that is. I don't know why I had the idea, but I kind of, for whatever reason, was contemplating what good things could come out of the, the pandemic. And yes. it hit me that, oh, no, this is, this is how it happened. So I identified that public speaking and being able to express yourself and being articulate in your speech is something which is very important and particularly I find to be very, a very important skill. And so I thought about what kind of program or pathway I could join, which would help me develop that skill. And I identified Toastmasters as a potential option. So I joined, well, I didn't join, but I went to a few kind of audits. So could you just explain, sorry to interrupt. Could you just explain what that is? First of all, Toastmasters, what is that? Yeah, uh, good point. Because not in, a lot of listeners probably wouldn't know as well. Yeah, so no one listened to the Language Come Up podcast. I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we did, but maybe not everybody. Okay, so Toastmasters or Toastmasters is um, it's a organization which is there with the aim to give people the environment to cultivate their leadership and communication skills. Right. That's that's the that's the long and short of it, and that's essentially it. So they they have various pathways which you can be on once you join a club. 
And that means maybe like once a week you go to a club event and you have the opportunity to uh, prepare and deliver speeches, uh, do impromptu dialogues or short impromptu speeches where you have to riff on a topic for a minute and things like that. They do those kinds of exercises to help you help you develop your communication skills. And they have similar things for leadership where they try and like you get the opportunity to be the MC at various meetings and you, you're the, or you're, you, you give uh, uh, evaluations of other people's speeches. So I suppose there's the aspect of leadership because you're helping someone, you're pulling someone up and helping them develop. And so there's, there's all of that going on. Um, I joined the Melbourne, U- I, did, I, said, I, said, I said this last time, but I went to a few audit events of the Melbourne University French Club Toastmasters and after a couple of events it occurred to it occurred to me that most people I identify that most people there weren't native English speakers and I actually asked the question I went could everyone who's not a native English speaker raise their hand yeah and every single person in the session except me was a non-native English speaker okay so um two things to do with that first of all um, I suppose that kind of makes sense because it's they want to improve their communication skills in English. And second of all, I was super impressed and was like, I'm going to steal this idea. <laughs> and then because it was in the pandemic, I thought, well, maybe events will be online yeah. because those that, that even, the, even the Melbourne University uh, Toastmasters was online because of the, we were all in lockdown. Yeah. I thought, well, maybe even in a Francophone environment, it'll be online. And it turns out that Quebec, Canada happened to have the right time difference that I wouldn't be up uh, at 3 a.m. Right. to <laughs> a- attend these events. I made a short list of um, clubs to join. And uh, I, joined, uh, I joined a club. I... Well, before I joined the club, I went to the first three free trial sessions. I first yeah. first time I rocked up, um, the the dude I spoke to, like he asked me the simplest question in the world. I think the first thing he said to me was like, "Oh, what time is it in Australia?" Right. And I was so not used to the Quebecois accent <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that I had no idea what he said to me. Does it, does it, and does here it. I was rocked. Yeah, quelle heure est-il or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And I and I just I just bugged out. I had no idea what he said to me. And the first couple of sessions I was there, I was literally sitting there going from, I don't know, like 95% comprehension in what I'm used to being exposed to with French to like 40%. It was that drastic. I had no idea what was being said. And then over the course of a few seconds, a uh, few sessions, my ear got more attuned to the Quebecois accent. And, you know, it's still the same language. You just have to realize that certain sounds get mapped to different sounds. And your brain, right. you, your brain, you know, not you don't have to consciously do that, but your brain identifies that yeah. after getting enough input. Hey, and so then, you, um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just, just going to kind of finish it up there and say, and, and then after the free trial sessions, I joined and I very consistently went to sessions for a, a, a series of months, but I, I haven't been because they had, a, it got, I stopped during the busiest assessment period of the uni semester. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then I didn't pick it up 
during the the actual like exam and swap fact period. So there was the, the last couple of weeks of, of uni, you have all your assignments due. And then you have swap mm-hmm. back, which is your study week for exams. Then you have a three-week examination period. So that right. was a long period where I didn't go. And then they went on their, uh, their I suppose, summer break and they're picking it up now. So I'm uh, hoping, but here's the thing, they might be in person now. So they're gonna, I'm going to have to figure okay. out whether I can... I can still attend or maybe in a hybrid way where they're in person and I'm <laughs> online. I don't know. You got to uh, call into their event. That's fine. But it, it crazy idea. And it was, as it's been absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. I was going to ask if you've learned any specific Quebecois words or phrases. Yeah. Um, it might be difficult to bring them up now, but definitely there are some Quebecois <laughs> utterances, which I found amusing and kind of, uh, the other thing which was funny is whenever I learned a new a new word, right? So uh, my my French accent, while it's kind of the it has an Anglo-Saxon accent in it, like if uh-huh. the the kind of French it's modeled off is more metropolitan yeah. French, like yeah. France French. But mm-hmm. if I'm learning a new word there. Well, the, the way I'm going to know how to pronounce the word is probably going to be the Quebecois way. <laughs> so there's probably going to be now a few random words in my vocabulary, which will just like, like Marcus, you were saying <laughs> with your, with your Spanish, I'll have a few random ones, which will just be more kind of Quebecois. Yeah. Uh, what, what words specifically? Um, but i think i knew i think i knew that already so it's kind of cheating there are a few ones which the few classic ones which you because naturally learning the language i was a little bit interested in quebecois french so i did did kind of look at it myself a little bit so i'm not sure which ones i learned specifically with them but i i think I certainly got a lot more, a lot more used to the accent, and there are definitely a few words which and, and mannerisms which I got more, more used to. So, for the public speaking part, then Ace, was that something you, like, how does it work? Do they give you a topic and you have five minutes to prepare for it, or the night before, or because on our last episode we talked about Marcus kind of prepping his key vocabulary for a job inter- interpretation he was doing. So I was just wondering. How is it on the fly with your language development or do you get some time to like uh, brainstorm beforehand? Right. So um, it, it, it depends. Like normally what happens is you, you have, you have an organized, an organized uh, meeting. And in that meeting, you know that three people are doing speeches and there's going to be an impromptu section where people do the improvisations and, um <laughs> so the way the the way it works is for example someone in the improvisation section there'll be a a meneur d'improvisation the person who uh, is leading uh, that part of the session and what they'll do is they'll describe a scenario and they'll go right. ian uh-huh onto you and they'll give you a couple of objectives right for that specific section like they might want you to be as a, as expressive as possible uh, and often okay. there's a word of the day which you want to try and include in your uh, impromptu speech, which means right. it's also a way of enriching your vocabulary because For each sure. session there's a there's a word which gets said many times in different contexts because everyone's trying to use it. Um, so that that in that scenario you'll have like five seconds right, to okay. think about the topic, and then you need to speak for sixty to ninety seconds. Um, but then there'll be other ones where you 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 will book in a session where you want to deliver your speech. 
and nice. then there'll be a you have a couple of weeks to prepare. I think in the time that I was there, which was uh, a few a, a few months at least, I I did quite a few impromptu things, but I uh-huh. only did uh, three speeches. Right. Um, but for me, I I I almost didn't mind that because with the work that I was doing at university, adding a speech to prepare for was quite significant. Right, but right. The fact, even just being there and having like an hour and 45 minutes or something like that where I get the opportunity to do an improvisation, but I'm also listening to French for that whole period of time. Yeah, like it meant the whole say, exercise was worthwhile. Yeah, the whole time you're interacting in French, expressing yourself in French. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... I feel as language learners, we're always find, trying to find new ways and creative ways to inter- interact with the language. And to me, public speaking is like, oh, geez, even as a teacher, yeah. like that's sweat starts just the thought of it kind of, but, but just to think fast in your, in a second language as well. Right. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really challenging. I mean, I had a, an, it's funny because there'll be someone describing an improvisation to you and you'll uh-huh. be, you'll be sitting there and they'll, most of the time I'm, I understand, but there'll be the, maybe like one out of the five where I'm listening to it. I'm going, I didn't quite understand exactly what that improvisation was. And I'm just sitting there. I'm going, I hope this isn't the one they asked me to do right. because right. you're in this, you're in this session with, well, let's say 20 people and they're all native French speakers and okay. you're, you're there and you, it's fine for you to be there because you're at you can hold your own in that session because uh-huh. your your language ability is at a certain level but yeah. um it's it's never going to happen to the native french speaker that they get given an improvisation they don't even understand what the topic was right but on the odd occasion it can happen to you so it makes that it's right. ex, makes you extra nervous when you hear right. you're hearing one described and you're going i just missed that word that i don't know what that word is and that's crucial for the intro <laughs> Like yeah. weird things, like I, I forget what the word is for the stripes on a zebra, but like random specific vocabulary like that where it's like a word which you don't, what are the stripes on a zebra in <laughs> French? I'm pretty sure it's just like, yeah, uh, or something uh, like that. So it's like, it uh-huh. shouldn't be, anyway, like for yeah. whatever reason, I don't know that word. Yeah, And it's yeah. like, a key part of the improvisation because the theme is like animals and um yeah i don't know there are things like that which throw you off and then you have to do a 90 minute improvisation and you're like being you've been (laughs) knocked off balance immediately beforehand not 90 minutes so 90 seconds yeah yeah i think like public speaking this is something that has like layers of difficulty right like there's i think the easiest one and even the easiest one is really difficult like giving a memorized speech in your native language in front of a lot of people, even that is really difficult. But then if you go uh, up even further then I would say like uh, improvising in your native language, that's more difficult. And then you have in a second language memorized and then a second language improvised, like that's really difficult to do. And actually I just remembered, um, that I've experienced myself doing, doing something, uh, giving a memorized speech in a second language. I, when I was in, when I was in China, we had these, um, spring festival banquets at the school that I was teaching at. 
And there was like, they're huge. And they were like, they, they spared no expense. And there was like hundreds of people there. And uh, before coronavirus, like literally just before it happened, uh, we had our big banquet there. And I was one of the MCs and I had oh, to say oh things my. in Chinese. Oh. So I was with uh, one of my Chinese coworkers and we were the M- MCs of the night. And I was like in front of hundreds of people, like saying, like speaking Chinese, like with all these lines that I memorized. And it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. I was like, I was sweating bullets like before. Like, <laughs> it was so nerve wracking. And also, um, I also did like a Kung Fu performance with a couple friends too. So that was just like adding some more heat to the Damn. fire. But yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a fun little experience. Yes, I was going to say, that's an extraordinary quality that you have, that you're not afraid of throwing yourself into uncomfortable situations. Yeah, that's really important. If you that's want to very important. As a person and as a language learner. Yeah. Well, yes. And not, yes, for both. <laughs> for mm-hmm. both. And I mean, like for language learning, I feel like I have a lot of benefit from like I don't feel when I go to these, so I go to a lot of these meetups. That's how I meet people in general. And that's really why I'm attracted to languages. It's such a good hobby because I tend to be very mobile in my lifestyle. And every time I am in a new place, it's always very easy for me to find new people, new friends through languages. I mean, this is how I met these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And I've never been inhibited to, you know, at these language meetups, there's such a cordial atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, it's so oh, easy yeah. to just go in and talk to people because everyone's incentivized to talk to you because everyone's there <laughs> yeah, to talk, right? And it's yeah. always so easy to just go in there and talk to anyone, right? And sometimes yeah. you get the timid person that's a little bit uh, more held back and whatnot. But for the most part, it's just outgoing, extroverted people. Yeah. Right? I feel- so I feel like there's like some type of natural selection there that the the most successful language learners, language enthusiasts tend to be more extroverted in nature. That's just my hypothesis. But Ace, I feel like and I've heard this from you talk, especially in your Mark episode, um, that I think it's like you said, not trying to make language learning like a separate thing. In, during like your in your life or during your daily routine you you integrate it and it's like you said maybe seeing more successes in french and chinese but then not as many in spanish of late because it is so integrated like you basically joined a public speaking club but in yeah french or or mark is coming just hanging out like you might hang out go meet any other friends for coffee in english but it happens to be like in three different languages when you met us like that's like it's like a another term social safety net like in terms of like you're gonna fall you have this like social blanket that can cover you and i feel like yeah man that that is that's how we all met and mm-hmm. if you're doing a language solo kind of like a lone wolf type operation it's not gonna be like i'm a huge dabbler so i i love getting into like little basics of a certain language without really feeling the necessity for like a Mongolian partner, if that's my focus for the week, but it's still like to take it to the next level and be successful. Then yeah, that's that social network within the language that you have. So I think, I feel like we're kind of pointing the idea that 
a huge part of language learning success is just that integration in your life. And then I think you've also talked about like in long-term thinking too, like doing this for years on end, this is going to be like, it has to be a constant part of your life for years on end to keep it. So just, just to add to that real mm-hmm. quick, I always, yeah. when people ask me, Hey, how do I learn a language? Well, I say, first of all, you have to make that language a part of you. Like it has to be a part of your life. You can't just like learn it or like mm-hmm. spend some time doing it. Like after work, whatever you have to make it like you have to create uh, let's say a French Ian, right? Or a Mandarin <laughs> Ace. Like you have to create a Mandarin Ace in order to l- actually learn that language. You got to be serious about it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, all right. I'll I'll yeah. I'll jump in here. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, at a at a practical level, like I suppose, Marcus, what you said was a little bit more uh, abstract. But at a, at a practical level, which is more what Ian was was talking about, like that social net which you're referring to, it's kind of like imagine, like in these past two weeks when I've I've started a new job and it means that I'm distracted from language learning. Mm-hmm. Just imagine if during that period of two weeks, when I'm missing my active study sessions, I'm still exposed to the languages I'm learning every day because the friends that I talk to and the activities which I do outside of work those are the those are the things that every let's say that's those things that everyone does but if you're a monolingual those activities and those friends are in one language Mm -hmm. um but if you're trying to create this social net around you um of different languages it means that when you fall and you miss your active study session you get catched by the social net because no matter what you do your life is comprised of multiple languages i think Mm -hmm. that's the goal and uh i mean i think we all we all implement that with varying success and i think it varies temporally meaning at one point in time you might have more of one language in your life than others and things like that but i think that's the goal no for sure yeah yeah Yeah, totally like like you want cooking classes huh yeah exactly but you want to like i always try I try to set up my life so I automatically get all the language input that I want, uh-huh. right? Like I, I set up my social life so that I'm not just communicating and and uh, hanging out with people in English, right? Mm-hmm. I do. I make a conscious effort to to do that, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, it happens organically, but it's still like I am applying a force if you will yeah in order for that to happen the invisible yeah, it's, hand, it's... <laughs> the invisible hand I, think, right? I think it's a little bit difficult to to have it happen completely organically because i think um people who would consider themselves as bilingual uh, like people who grew up hey there it is that lingual yeah <laughs> lingual <laughs> there it is that. jack called us out on jack, that yeah lingual <laughs> oh, canada <laughs> our giveaway <laughs> I love okay. it. <laughs> the worst spies ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. I, yeah, right. So yeah, people who consider themselves as bilingual or trilingual, <laughs> they um they they like that's completely organic, right? Like they don't pay attention to how much they need to give a certain languages uh, certain care or attention in their lives because 
that's just how they naturally live their lives. Like they talk to their parents in one language, yes. they talk to their friends in another one. And um, it's a little bit different for people like that though, because um, they uh, it's not something they really care about. It's just something that's a part of their life, right? It's just what they grew up. It's just what they're used to. But I think when you're, when you're a language learner, you need to be able to try to model that. It's just, it can be a little bit difficult to do it in practice, but it's definitely not impossible. Well, Richard Simcott makes this uh, dif- differentiation between like a multilingual, like you just said, Cody, like just naturally, depending on the circumstances of where they grew up or um, how they tend to be, whereas a polyglot or language learner, yeah, said, that is, it's way more conscious or like maybe even like how Ace said, you're just hyper aware of yeah all the linguistic no it's 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 quite distinct like just the way that the people that these two different types of people interact with their with their languages and actually this i know usually we don't like to complain about things on the show but i i recently ran into something that really pissed me off lately and i've like personally taken offense to this that's <laughs> left yeah they did like that's the that's left okay. but um so my new school i'm not going to mention the name with my new school in their I've been doing their training and they call their teachers you're either a native teacher or a bilingual teacher what do you mean and that classification has made me so angry because one what you gotta give some examples here buddy it means either you're you're it means either you're an English native teacher or you're a Korean teacher okay so it automatically assumes that the English teachers don't speak Korean. And okay. two, it Ooh. assumes that the English native teachers don't speak any other languages. Right. And right, right, right. so when I saw this classification, it's like, wow. Okay. Like I took that as a huge <laughs> slap in the face. You're assuming your it's languages, like, man. Yeah. It's like, it's just because it assumes that English is my native language that I suck at learning other languages. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're a native English teacher. Okay. That's fine. You only need to speak English. You, mm-hmm. you can't learn Korean. It's too hard. Or, all of the other languages maybe that you that you might know like no for no english it's that's all that matters it's like oh you tried to learn these other languages no 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 you probably suck because english is your native language like i i you, you can tell maybe. the thing this has really made me mad this has got my blood but, 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 but i don't know Cody, man. I feel Cody, like you're Cody, Cody. Too much. yeah you're definitely misinterpreting this because how would you classify the just two types of teachers yeah how would you if you have two types of teachers one coming from english-speaking country like native english speakers and then you would have korean teachers that speak yeah. how would you classify them that's like in terms of terminology them. Okay. That's what they okay. should classify them as native English teacher or a Korean teacher. Okay. Yeah, but then then you then you still okay, I see what you're saying. The the bilingual bilingual, sorry, bilingual, the bilingual classification of the Koreans is the this it's not that they call you native, it's that they call them bilingual. Yeah, that's, them that's what it is. Yeah, like the that native assumes that the them. other person is not bilingual right? yeah it just assumes that the english teachers don't speak any other languages that they're mutual exclusive just just yeah. to clarify is this this specifically for language teachers it's not for every teacher at the school oh no this is just for this school at like at this english school mm-hmm. I, and I, I don't even know what your new job is i assume it's it's being a. Uh, oh sorry teacher. yeah i'm an english i'm an uh, english teacher okay okay yeah 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 right, cool well i mean in uh even here in 
like education has its own parlance of words and uh it's no longer you're not supposed to call it to english as a second language like esl is now dubbed ell english language learner because that may be their third language their 10th language not necessarily their second language so for marcus or like i well, I'm Marcus, ESL, bro. Second I'm ESL, yeah. bro. I'm totally ESL. Right. I'm Whereas, like, maybe shirt. you're third, but yeah, 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 yeah. I, I guess, I mean, that, that's the thing, like, uh, and this is trying, like, this is where I feel like, I don't know, because I go to these polyglot events, like I've been to the polyglot gathering, Langfest, like, it's like that warm social blanket. And then I always remember the, so there's a guy named, uh, Jonathan Huggins, uh, Huggins International. He runs a 30-day challenge like each month. And he had this uh, Facebook post after uh, after Langfest where he said, I'm back amongst the muggles, which <laughs> was, it's kind of funny because when you're amongst like language learners all the time and we like, we can get really like picky about like, okay, fluency, like A1, A2, B1, like we really can break it down. Whereas I feel, I hate using the word like normies or like ironically <laughs> saying like muggles being like, oh issue. yeah, you're into languages. Cool. Like, and then that's that, like, they don't like kind of dive deep into it where I feel like maybe the guy that wrote that guide, Cody, he, he's just trying to like, just differentiate who's who without say like giving like a wider perspective to it and it's something i just feel like polyglots and i know events are getting bigger and i think there's channels and people out there and like ace i want to talk about like in in australia and like what, what you've seen but i feel like polyglots still like how we're forming bridges to people to get them into into language learning like i'm a huge baseball fan so how do i like but i don't go around like trying to convince people to like love baseball i just love it (laughs) um but i feel like with languages like we're trying to like and i I know as a teacher i try to like i'm not trying to get my students pumped on polyglotism it's either like spanish or french so just do you feel like i don't know I, i feel like it's it's a wonderful community i love it like i could pass hours on twitter but like that sometimes we are in like a bubble per se yeah to, to yeah maybe we don't realize the extent to which we're the exception and we're <laughs> like a minority group who's hyper interested in language learning and other people it just <laughs> comprises zero percent of their life i think yeah. that's, that's the thing about social media too is social media creates bubbles for every kind of group imagine yeah, yeah you're neat right? yeah no of course it's true yeah and you know you know what even in your everyday life this is the funny thing and maybe maybe this i'm not sure if this is particularly the case of language learning more than any other kind of bubble of interest but you know i i have considered the fact that i'm like geez it seems that i meet so many people who are interested in in language learning (laughs) but then maybe that's because you know you're meeting people at the so at the social events which are going to uh, which are like the french uni french club events or the mundo (laughs) you know what i mean but like having said that oh here's a good example i went to a french australian chamber of commerce networking event back in february Uh and at the end of the evening i really hit it off with this one guy and it turned out that he was also interested in language learning right um but you know maybe maybe it's not so much of a coincidence because it was the french australian 
chamber of commerce like maybe there's maybe it's not a directly a language learning event but maybe the likelihood of that occurring is increased because it's like mm. a bilingual event that's actually mm-hmm. how i got this internship by the way i oh. i got co- i got called up the day before by a friend because another friend couldn't go he was like hey i'm going to this fatchy event for, for just australian chamber of commerce fatchy uh, oh, that's okay. the acronym for it and yeah. and uh i was like yeah i'm on holidays why the hell not so i rocked up. i was like oh it's an opportunity to speak some french so I rocked up and in like the last five minutes of the evening, I met this guy who I was really warm, really nice, uh, originally from France, but has been living in Australia for a long time. And we just hit it off. And at the end of the conversation, when he knew what I was studying, um, he was like, hey, do you want an internship? <laughs> and, that, and, and then I followed up and six months later, that's what I've just started. Nice mechanical Crazy. engineering. Yeah. So they do work in rolling stock. So like trams and trains. Nice. Um, they do a little bit yeah. of other stuff too, but that's their main area of expertise. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but as so, an intern, I'm not I'm not as involved in the engineering side of things as I could be. Like I'm mainly okay. doing like they have new new projects which they might be launching, and I'm like doing research into that, seeing whether things are viable and okay. So like having an engineering mindset and being actually this job's been really interesting because I've been working in the capacity as an intern, but my have, speaking multiple languages and having enough of an engineering background to understand a few things has made me like a useful intern. Nice. So like the, I'm looking into whether uh, a, like a product uh, which has been rolled out in France would be, is it looks legitimate and whether it's like something which we could use here in Australia. And like, I'm having to read academic reports in French and I'm like, yeah, nice, nice. I read, like, I read a paper the other day in, in uh, Portuguese and I understood yeah, it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I got super wow. pumped about that, but Ace, I have a question. So something that I think about a lot, how do you perceive the dichotomy between, you know, engineering and science and languages in terms of the way these two, um, spaces i guess or subjects um uh stimulate your your brain oh oh my goodness i love this question um i love this question because the idea of like a dichotomy or tension between two things is something which i was for i first i studied english literature at school and an idea which i really loved was this uh dichotomy between like the Dion- Dionysian and the Apollonian to like reference Greek gods. So like this wild, right. the wild side of human nature and like the civilized side of human nature. And this, and, and this idea of attention or contrast and juxtaposition between two things is um, I, I just, for some reason, when you, when you try and like, let's say that's a lens through which you can view separate topics and the world and different things. For some reason, whenever you apply that lens to something, it stimulates really interesting ideas because I mean, I, I haven't used the word dichotomy in a long time since, since like English literature, but if I'm not mistaken, the term, the idea is this tension between two things yeah. that are, that are probably interrelated. Like what is it? The yin and yang, you know, yeah. you have that, that symbol where the you symbol. have the, the light and the dark, but there's a little bit of light and dark in each side. Yeah. Mm. So there's this tension, but they're actually interrelated. Um, and uh, so all of that as like a preamble to, uh, I, I like the idea of, of like looking at 
engineering and science and then like arts and languages as a, as a dichotomy where you, they kind of look like separate disciplines, but there's all of this, um, what's the word, uh, cross-pollination, which comes from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in, in, uh, at, at one level, I think it's just fantastic to be exposed to different disciplines and be stimulated because I think it's amazing how uh, knowledge gained in one field can translate across. Absolutely. Like one, yeah. One of the things I really like is just the ability to um, learn something in like an engineering discipline. And then all of a sudden it's this really useful analogy or way of thinking about something else in another discipline. Um, like just the, for example, the ability to, like, I remember studying analog and digital systems at the beginning of my degree and just kind of thinking about how you can have a continuous signal, which you sample and try to turn into a digital, a digital, uh, signal. And basically, um, for the, so like to, to describe that in concrete terms, like looking at something which is continuous Mm-hmm. And trying to make it discrete, meaning you have something which mm-hmm. can be like a spectrum and then trying to, and then saying that, for example, like what we were saying before, like, have you entered that world, that the world associated with that language It's like uh-huh. you're in or you're out, but really it could be this spectrum. Uh-huh. And then when I was thinking about that, I started thinking about language levels, which we have like A1, A2, B1, B2. Mm-hmm. And what I kind of, and, th- and this is obvious if you think about it, but for some reason, the le- having, learn- having learned about um, analog and digital systems gave me more vocabulary and a useful uh, metaphor to kind of bring into explaining my thoughts on this topic. And so, for example, when you talk about language proficiencies and you say that you're A2, yeah. what that is, is a digital piece of information it's discrete you're saying i'm a2 it's a single unit and what that allows you to do is transmit a lot of low resolution information really quickly right because you could be an a2 learner you can be an a2 speaker who um is really interested in i don't know anime so has a lot of specialized vocabulary to do with your specific anime series or something like that um but but so A2 is this kind of all-encompassing low-resolution term which gives someone immediately an idea of on what level they can communicate with you. Yeah. But it misses all of the extra detail about your specific language learning journey because really what your language proficiency is this continuous thing which not only varies across time in terms of you, 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 imp- you improve generally over time but also fluctuates mm-hmm. from day to day and you have certain pockets on disciplines which, in which you're more competent than others. And mm-hmm. so it's this kind of, really what it is, is you're kind of, imagine in language learning, you have uh, various axes. Mm-hmm. So think something in terms of graphs, right? Imagine you're in N-dimensional space. And I'm purposely doing this because now I'm kind of trying to pull more and more of this engineering science yeah, background. Into you're applying it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm like in a meta, I'm like me, in a meta way, I'm responding to the question. So, cause, cause I'm kind of trying to respond to the question by doing it, if that right. makes sense. So like, yeah. imagine like your proficiency in language learning can be categorized in terms of various variables, like speaking, listening, reading, writing, yeah. but then every single discipline, which you could be discussing or writing about or reading about and, or, and with whom you're talking. 
Like, is it the, per, is it, what's the accent? And so you have all these axes upon which your proficiency can vary. And so all of a sudden your, your proficiency, and then there's, there's also a time axis because your proficiency varies in time. Mm-hmm. So what you have is now you have this graph in time in N dimensional space, because you can have N variables upon which your proficiency can vary, which means your proficiency is this weird position in N dimensional space where, and by N dimensional space, I mean, we like just a straight line. That's one dimensional space. Yeah. Like your normal Cartesian plane where you have two axes, that's two dimensional space. Three dimensional space is a space in which we, we live in. So like yeah. people won't be able to see this, but you can just imagine me in my room yeah. putting my finger at a specific point in the room. That's three dimensional space. So you can imagine your proficiency could be described in three dimensional space as being, this is your proficiency in terms of reading, in terms of listening, and then in terms of writing. And then you're in like a specific position in the room. Well, there are actually more axes upon which your proficiency varies. So now it becomes n-dimensional space, which you can't represent graphically easily, but you can in terms of like vectors, meaning you can have like a list of numbers, right? So now you have a proficiency in n-dimensional space, which varies in time, but instead we just say I'm A2. So that's the difference between analog and digital, digital like representation. It sounds like you're doing some serious linear algebra there, bud. Yeah, yeah. And so- that, that's my response to the question in kind of a meta way. I love being able to cross-pollinate ideas and pull ideas yeah. from one discipline and ideas of describing things in one discipline and applying them to another. Like I love doing that. And, it, and what it does is um, uh, it, 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 it often can mean that you can think about something in an original way because you right. have, uh, you have a, you have a, a weird combination of a kind of academic backgrounds, which converge in an interesting way, which make an interesting idea. Like I haven't heard people describe language proficiency in terms of n-dimensional space before. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> so maybe, so, I'm, I'm maybe computational though. linguists would like people who do like for, I, 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 I don't. I have another thing which I I wouldn't mind mentioning because it's actually kind of cool. Go yeah. ahead, and it's, it's directly on this topic of n-dimensional space. Yeah. For for whatever reason, I was watching uh part of a YouTube series about like uh um like computational linguistics, like ap- applying computer science principles to linguistics, mm-hmm. and like the first thing which is introduced is this concept of like word vectors, mm-hmm. which means um. Imagine that you categorize the meaning of a word based on the context in which it appears. So, right. for example, the most the simplest way you could represent this is imagine you have a, a, a like a table, and in the first column you have all of the words in a language, and in the second column you have a data point corresponding to that word. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if the word is uh, potato. What you would have is in the in the 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 vector for that word would have a one in the row corresponding to potato and zero in the row corresponding to every other word. That means that word, the way you represent that word in terms of for a computer, is in the vector. You have a one for potato and a zero for everything else, which means you can identify if you if you have that vector. What you can do is you can pass through the vector you can go through every single element in the list 
find the one which is one. And if the index for that one is potato, that means the word is potato. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. I've, I've, I've read about this before. Yeah. Where did you get this from? I can't remember. I think it was like a Stanford lecture or something. Yeah, I've, I, don't, I've, I don't know. I've seen this before. But yeah, uh, you, uh, yeah, but you extend the concept and you go, well, let's not just no, have yeah. it ones and zeros. Let's say that every single entry can be from one to zero and be a decimal in between that. And right. then you categorize a word based on the context in which it's used. Meaning yeah. if, if you have the word, so what you'll do is you'll get a body of text, like a corpus, mm-hmm. and you will pass through it. And if the word potato comes up, you take note of what word was to the left of it, what word was to the right of it, and you keep going out to a certain threshold, like two words to the right, two words to the left. And what you'll do is you'll assign values um, for that word based on based on its context. Meaning if the potato word potato comes around earth and kitchen a lot in the vector representing that word, the value for, for, for kitchen might be like 0.67 and the word for earth might be like 0.71. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? But uh-huh. something which is completely unrelated, like, I don't know, uh, uh, sh- shoe or, or I don't know, something com- as queen, as unrelated yeah. as you could think. Will have a low value. It will like be like zero zero two because mm-hmm. it's it's not it, the word potato doesn't appear in the same context as queen very often. Right. And okay. now uh, what you have is for every single word in your language, you have a vector which represents it, which has been built by analyzing text. And now what that means is every word has a position in n-dimensional space. And this is this really cool thing where you can. Um, have the word, uh, I don't know, if you have the word queen yeah. and you minus the values of the word female and then you add the values of the word male, you reach king. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's all, in the t- it's all in terms of the way a computer understands yeah. it. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. I, oh, this is the computational part. And when I was a little kid, I used to have, I, when I was in primary school, this third thought occurred to me. I was like, what is the opposite of a word? Because you might think the opposite of a word of the word sand might be snow because they, they right. have some sort of opposition to them. But in yeah. reality, they might not be direct opposites because they're still kind of this soily thing. So right, maybe like- actually the opposite of the word sand is like butterfly because it's the complete opposite. Right. Not related. They're completely unrelated. But you would have to have a serious algorithm working in, in order to determine that decimal value uh, in terms of connecting each word to each other in that vector. See what I'm saying? Like this would require serious AI yeah. computing power. It's called power. like a word to vec algorithm, I think they have. And they have, I mean, I only watched like the first couple of lectures. So actual computational linguists would be like listening to me going, this dude's got no idea what, how this actually works. But um, no. I still, you know, geeked out about it. And it's kind of cool that you could now answer the question and you could go, what's the opposite of sand? And you get a definitive answer wow. based on the text. So the opposite would be zero. The, op- the opposite or like a very small number like w- the opposite would be let's just um, to simplify it to one dimensional space like let's uh-huh. say a word has a position on a line yes and every single word has a position on that line uh-huh. the opposite of that word i think you could consider to be the word which is f- furthest from that on the line the distance between them is greatest 
Right. I think. So if right. it's yeah, and okay. then and then you 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 get you use your linear algebra or whatever yeah. to work abstract, out abstract abstract mathematics. Yeah, linear you abstract algebra, it exactly. up in dimensions. But hey, I like I like the idea that everyone has their own language matrix. Right. And then essentially you solve for the determinant of that matrix and you get out your letter grade. <laughs> That's essentially what you're saying, right? Well, yeah, I mean, like, a, like a constellation. Yeah. I mean, uh, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So there's just a, there's a kind of meta response to why Absolutely. I like having well, two disciplines converge. You know, that was really cool. That was like listening to a foreign language for me. <laughs> oh, no, I... Well, well, so so one more thing to touch on again. I, uh, I also have a couple of things I wouldn't mind bringing up. I know that I know. Sure, go ahead, buddy. No, 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 one, one thing I want to ask you guys is um, kind of what it's like for you guys being this close-knit friendship group where you're all interested in language learning. Because I know, for example, here in Victoria, we in the running world, we have the Melbourne Track Club where this group of athletes who all train together, they go in training camps together, they live together. And it means that they're constantly rubbing shoulders with other people who are striving, for example, the Olympics. And it's just right. breeding ground for Olympians right. because they're all, you, what you essentially do is you create this bubble where it's totally normal for you to wake up every morning and go for a run, recover, and then go for a run that, that evening as well. And, yeah. and, and it's just constant training. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's on the same path. And it becomes this normality and everyone pushes each other together. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what that's like for you guys, because you're kind of this, like, I don't, I don't know, this Canadian language club <laughs> of these, you're, the, you're the lingaholics and you know, you have your challenges and things that you do. I just want to hear a little bit about that. What's that like for you guys? Ian, what do you say? Go first. Yeah, go ahead, bud. Yeah. Like I, I played in a few bands in middle school, but it was never like, it never went super deep or anything, but when I'm hanging out with these guys, um, I used to kind of do this a lot just on my own. Um, and then a big blooming thing. Well, actually that's not even totally true because I met Cody back, uh, at, at, at just like you're talking about ACE with your, like the French university club. Like I met Cody at this Lassa. So, okay. Similar people. And then now that, all these years later where I've kind of fluctuated with like being doing it on my own and now with these guys and being in constant kind of contact with them and doing a weekly podcast about even like our weekly updates. I'm always fascinated with these guys are doing because if it's something new, well then a, should I be doing that or B maybe it'll be like, Oh, I've, well, I've tried that. And it's not like, it's like that, but it's just like a constant push and pull. So I don't know, whatever your hobby is, to be able to like geek out with people. And that's why I feel like, I feel like being in this podcast is kind of like being in a band because like we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And I love that our different emphases, I can call it. I don't know how to hear what Marcus and Cody have to say, but like, I feel like we're almost jamming when we hit the microphones on the podcast, but it's about yeah. this subject that we like, weirdly are obsessed with that's my answer to what do you nice. say cody i mean yeah it's it's great to have marcus and ian i think um i think this is it's really helped me uh it's really helped him like motivate me with with my language learning 
And because uh, I think before we had this podcast and before we were like really close friends, I mean, yeah, I still had like other people that I talked to about things, but um, I've never had an outlet where we can really just hash everything out and really just uh, build these close relationships. It's also made language learning so much more personal for me because aside from having this podcast, like we're all really good friends in real life. Right, right. And I think maybe um, this is a little bit part, maybe this is a little bit difficult right, right now in recent months because we haven't been together in real life. And I think um, that's been a little bit difficult to be honest. Like I miss you guys. And <laughs> that's sweet, buddy. That's sweet. We miss. Yeah. You, and like, I, I want to, I want to hang out with you guys. You're going to make me cry I mean, here, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to, I just, I want, I want to come back to Canada and like bro with you guys in real life again. But um yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. It's just been it's a it's been a very wonderful addition to my life for sure. And getting emotional here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, deep science to emotion. Here, man. So what I gotta say is that you know, since starting this pod, I feel like it's become kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy to to, um, I guess focus more on language or may at least maintain the momentum that at least I've had in the past. Cause I mean, like if I'm going to be some dude with a podcast, a language podcast, I might as well be a good language uh, <laughs> learner or speaker or whatever. I might as well be a polyglot. Right. So it has motivated me to, I guess, dabble in languages that I wouldn't have dabbled in otherwise like Portuguese perhaps, or Esperanto or even a little bit of Russian. Um, but otherwise I try to, I try to be very relaxed with this. Like I, I still see language learning as like an auxiliary part of my life. It's not like the main thing I'm, I'm probably more focused on my engineering, uh, on the engineering side of things in terms of time, uh, management and what, what, whatnot. Um, and I try, like we talked about before, I try to not stress out too much if I don't, if I, um, I don't study as much as I had planned to um like for French I'm very for German I'm especially casual um for German I essentially just listen to all the easy German podcasts like I put in a couple hours each week right like maybe two hours each week and that's it and you know I'm making steady progress and I but I feel like I'm improving but it's very steady and it's a very um slow rate of increase which is fine consistency Mm -hmm. is key um, but in terms of the whole community, yeah. um, I think it is key. I would not like I, anything that I do. I don't do solo. I don't do I don't have any any hobbies that I do alone that I, I don't work that way. Like I need I do it all for community language. I do 100 percent for community. Like I said before, it's the best way to meet people by far. It's by far the best way to meet people that I've ever come across way it's even better than sports sports is also a very good way but this is even better yeah um i find that people that are interested in languages are usually (laughs) very interesting people (laughs) like it's very easy to get they're good people people that are interesting interested in languages are almost always very good people and that's why i like this uh this hobby i guess you can call it sure man nice yeah that's my spiel that's what i got absolutely very nice yeah it's, it's, 
but how, how long have we been going this we've been going a while a long uh, time uh, <laughs> two beautiful. hours two hours um, this will be like the longest pod we'll like our longest pod longer than Damn. the Korean war um okay how long, how long was the korean war two hours um all right before we wrap this up i always i always like to ask the guests we've had on about like the future what does the future look like with your you can answer it short term, long term, however you want, Ace, with your languages, the ones you're working on, possible new ones. Uh, just a glimpse into the future of the guests that we have on. Right. Um, I think the future for me looks like uh, hardcore committal to high proficiency in Chinese and then a lifelong language learning journey where maybe every few years I just try and pick another one up, commit to it. Maybe a little bit of dabbling on the side, but I think at the moment it seems like my language learning style will be one at a time. Uh, and uh, at the same time, I do want to keep blogging about it on the internet and sharing the experience and hopefully building that up too so that uh, uh, everything that I'm learning along the way and all the experiences that I'm having along the way can be shared with everyone and we can all uh, share the things that we're learning and get get smarter along the way and uh, learn from each other's mistakes and smart things that we do and all that. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the plan for me from here on out. But the, the immediate future is uh, start getting some active study with Chinese going every day again. Uh, that's sure. my number one priority. Oh yeah. Absolutely, man. Awesome. All right. That's it. Um, Ace, where can people find you listeners that want to check out, check out your stuff. If they're not following you already, which, you should be. Yeah. Um, so I'm on every social media platform under the sun, pretty much. You can find me using the name AceBuck or using the handle at official AceBuck. Uh, but what I, I want my like my content hub to be my podcast because honestly, conversations like this, I reckon are just the, the most enjoyable thing. So I also want to do this on my podcast. So uh, the name of the podcast is the Ace Talks Language Podcast. So people can go check that out too. Awesome, awesome. And I'm a new follower as of today. There we go. There we go. There we go. Marco Swarko's on board. All right, folks. Thank you. Thank you very much to Ace Buck. That's going to wrap up episode 48 of the Lingaholics podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. We'll see you guys all in the next episode. Okay. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Goodbye. Ciao, ciao.